When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now, here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. Okay, hi everyone. I'm Martha Shedden, and I am here today with Brandon Steele, who is a certified financial planner, CFP, and co-founder of Mainsail Financial Group. Brandon helps people to develop a truly personalized, holistic strategy to maximize their investment opportunities, preserve wealth, minimize taxation, and manage risks. Brandon spent the last decade working to help educate and prepare families for retirement. Additionally, he has been featured in Forbes, U.S. News and World Report, Thrive Global, and Puget Sound Business Journal, among others. In April 2021, Brandon released his first book, Retire by Design, which shares helpful strategies so that readers can design a thoughtful retirement plan. He truly enjoys the synergy that exists between business and personal sides of life. Brandon believes that the more knowledge you have, the more empowered and confident you will be in making financial decisions. And I would very much second that, um, that belief, Brandon. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, what influenced you to become a CFP who helps people with retirement planning? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for the, the introduction. I feel like that's far better than I usually do. So, so I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I think Martha shared a little bit about the current. So I'll kind of back up and maybe share how, how I even got here, I guess. You know, honestly, growing up, finances were never really part of my family background. Um, you know, we weren't, I wouldn't say that we were poor, but we certainly were not not rich and we didn't have, you know, conversations and money wasn't a priority, nothing like that. So um, so that was kind of how I grew up. And very quickly, I learned some terrible lessons kind of firsthand about money. And getting into college, I realized I just, I didn't want that to ever happen again. Like I, I wanted to figure out what was going on. I wanted to figure out how the world of finance worked. Honestly, number one, to make sure I didn't make mistakes. And then as I started learning more and more about it, realized I had a passion for making sure other people didn't make those mistakes as well. So after school uh, with an economics degree, my first interview was with a financial planning firm and that was it. Like as soon as I learned it was kneecap to kneecap, you know, sitting down with people and sharing my knowledge with them, I knew that was the path I wanted to go. 
um, ended up starting with a big firm. And then, you know, as Martha had kind of shared a couple of years back, we, we went the independent route. So we've been running our own shop here for a few years at this point. Um, and it's just been awesome. I mean, to, to Martha's point, we're gonna talk a lot about social security today. So things like that, having the flexibility to talk about whatever touches people financially, I think is what, you know, what really drives a lot of my, my day to day. Oh, great. Thank you. And, um, I mentioned before the book that you just released, Retire by Design, and you talk about several ways that traditional financial advice will no longer work and that this stereotypical advice needs to be broken apart. What is wrong with the way people have been planning their retirement? Very, very good question. Um, and, And let me preface this by saying, if you are doing something you are doing you are doing something better than nothing, right? Like if you're, if you're doing anything to prepare, anything to plan, it is always better than nothing. But as you might imagine, a lot of what we do is to help enhance or improve planning strategies. So I think a lot of the, the world is operating under this kind of old model of save 10% of your paycheck, put it all towards pre-tax. When you get to retirement, you can take out 4%, take social security at full retirement age, And there's not a lot of thought about like why they are making those choices or what that actually means for their future. It's just what's been kind of beaten into our heads for our whole lives. And the, the, you know, the decisions we make just end up being a kind of a factor of that, I guess. Yeah. So again, it's, it's great. People are doing those things. Don't get me wrong. But I think if we can step back and just take a little like introspection and a little more thought about what we're doing, everything that you are working so hard to put aside can just work that much better for you in the long run. Right. And there's such a a combination between what you're saving, what you're taking out with the the sequence that you take out funds from which accounts. Um, A considerable part of what you do is around Social Security strategies, I understand, and how different claiming options can play into this broader uh, retirement planning. What are the most common issues and or mistakes that you see people dealing with uh, when it comes to understanding their different social security options? Yeah, I think, I think the most common is, is probably just taking it right out of the gate. I think most folks, when we get to retirement or when we get to that age where we want to retire, it's almost entirely based around social security. And so they say, okay, now that I'm retiring, I better take social security, whether I'm 62, 65, 67, like there's not much thought about the actual benefit they might receive out of it. It's just, I'm retiring, time to take social security. And I think that, you know, as you know very well, there's a lot more to that equation. Number one, one of the reasons that can be a mistake is not incorporating the rest of the picture. If we're looking at social security in kind of a silo or a vacuum, we're missing a lot of the rest of you know, how these things can work together if you have other assets. So I think that's really important. And then obviously too, the longer you wait, generally speaking, the more benefit you might get. Now it doesn't mean taking social security early is bad. It may work very well for some folks, but there is certainly some benefits in delaying as well. Right. And you touched on something that, that has always, um, bothered me because I work with a lot of clients and people do equate the term retirement, which to me means quitting full-time work, but they equate that with starting social security. And 
that's not true because you, you can take social security and still work. You can quit working and not take social security for later. So it, it is, there's just a, a lot of lack of uh, understanding, I think, of the options out there. Absolutely. And if I can piggyback on that a little bit too, Martha, I think nowadays, especially we have a lot of clients who don't fully retire, right? They may do something part-time or whatever it may be. And so when that retirement word is associated with social security, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, but if you start taking benefits while you're still working, there may also be some drawbacks to that. So yeah, I think you're spot on there. Exactly. So when it comes to defining success, then in the With that perspective, what does that mean for a client's uh, strategy in regards to Social Security and retirement planning? And and you you really already touched on this a little bit, but a successful Social Security strategy is that is that kind of what you're asking? Security and what is success in the context of both Social Security and retirement planning? What does success look like to you as a financial planner? Uh, Okay. Yeah. First and foremost is making sure they can accomplish their goals. So, you know, above all else, like that's number one. Assuming that that's the case, I think the the added um, benefit, hopefully, towards that is is also saying, okay, what are the some of the tax impacts and how does this fit into the bigger picture, right? Um, you know, there may be benefits to delaying that actually give you some tax benefits early on and maybe reduce your taxes later on because of the ways Social Security is taxed as compared to maybe your other assets. So, you know, a lot of people, again, just like you had shared, you you know, they'll get to retirement. It's like, okay, now I've got to pull that trigger, but maybe don't understand the full tax impacts of doing so. And by just simply changing the way you use your, your different resources may really minimize your tax bill all the way through, through end of life. I am so impressed with (laughs) what you're saying. I totally I totally understand that. And it, it's such a complex equation there. But um, tying into that is RMDs. And again, that uh, belief that we are, you must take those out at your, when they're required, which is now 72 and may actually go higher, um, when in fact, they're 100% taxable. So why not use those earlier? And that I think that ties in. I have a question here for you about the um, the CARES. Uh, no, it's the, um, the Secure yeah, Act. The Secure, Act, the Secure Act. Excuse me. So, in terms of taxes, um, let's touch a little bit more on those IRAs. You were quoted in an article in Forbes saying that a big issue for current IRA holders is the potential legislative changes. We've seen a massive shift in 2020 with the SECURE Act's passing and how this impacts the estate planning intentions for those with IRAs. We may see higher taxes and more legislation to come. When you uh, you went on to talk about Roth IRAs, can you give us some more of your thoughts on on that whole topic? Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think I'll maybe start on the, your point about the required distribution. So just, just for those who are not familiar right now, as it stands at age 72, you've got to start taking money out of your pre-tax 401ks or IRAs. Um, You know, essentially you've had a tax break long enough. I think the IRS is kind of waiting. So they start forcing distributions that are, that are taxable. 
So, you know, a lot of our clients get to a point where they've saved up enough that they don't necessarily need those entire, like the entire distribution that's being forced. And so there may be some really strong planning strategies to incorporate in those years between, let's say, 65 and 72 or, you know, whatever the retirement date is and, and those RMDs. Um, one of those, as an example, is exactly where you're going is maybe looking at Roth conversions or something like that. Because if you can maybe use those years, let's say you're not taking Social Security yet and your income is lower, maybe you can convert some of your dollars to be tax-free for the future, right? Because a Roth IRA does not require, as it stands today, does not require any distribution during your life. And, you know, as far as the estate planning side of things goes, what's, what's changed with this SECURE Act is prior to this legislation, which I believe passed, was it January 2020 that it, it was enacted? Is that right? I believe, uh, yes, it was. Yes. Okay. So prior to that, when retirement assets, and let's use a 401k or an IRA as our example, when those went to your kids or to the next generation or you know whoever it may be besides a spouse, they were forced to take money out, but generally it was either based on your life or your kid's life. So they could take a smaller amount out over time. What has happened now with the SECURE Act is you, when that goes to your beneficiaries, they are required to take the entire account balance, deplete the entire thing in a 10-year period. So they could do that all in year one. They could split it up into 10 equal payments, do it all in year 10. doesn't matter, but they've got to take it all out. The challenge is that if it is all taxable, and let's say you pass this on to your, your kids who maybe are already earning good income, they may lose half overnight to taxes. Whereas potentially, if you looked at Roth or something along those lines and did some you know kind of strategic planning, you may be able to pass that on tax-free as opposed to bumping up their tax brackets and causing some tax considerations when it, when it moves on. So you are really thinking ahead for your client's uh, legacy planning. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think too, it's, it's hard to say that is so far down the road. Taxes right. could be higher. I think most right. of us may feel that way, but they could be lower. <laughs> so right. it's very hard to say. And I think to your point, I think what we try and do is say, okay, how can we use these tools to, to maybe enhance your retirement and your legacy, not one without the other, if that makes sense. Right. No, it, it definitely follows that if you're extending the longevity of your portfolio um, and the, the taxable accounts that are in there, that's really valuable. So in addition to the taxation issue, can you tell us what you understand about taxation of Social Security benefits as those relate to taxation of these retirement accounts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think this is this is really important. And, you know, I think probably why we've gone back and forth, you and I have, Martha, on, on these strategies, because most people I don't think realize Social Security has tax consequences. So basically, if you earn above a certain amount of income, part of your social security benefit will be taxed. So essentially, and, and this ties in things like uh, municipal income, like there, it's not just your earned income either. So kind of keep that in mind. But generally speaking, if you're a married couple, uh, I believe it's up to 32,000 of income. If you're under that threshold, none of your social security benefit will be taxed. If your income is that's between 30. Low. That's pretty low though. 
It is, right? I mean, um, I don't know the stat on the average social security benefit. I wish I had that on the top of my head. But really, I mean, that's that's only 2500 a month in social security alone. Right, right. Right. So, you know, you pile on maybe a pension or some 401k distributions or rental income or whatever it is. And you, you can imagine you can get up there pretty quickly. So there's that one threshold. And then for higher earners, there's a second threshold, but those that's still not very high. Yeah. So and the the threshold you're talking about, so 32 to 44,000, I believe it is, as a married couple, is where half of your social security benefit will be taxed. And then if your income is above 44, 85% of your social security benefit will be taxed as ordinary income. It can, so, it can be. It's actually, there's actually ways to even... It's surprising because, of course, they don't just have one formula. They have another set of formulas. But it is true, though, right, that only up to 85% can be taxed. Yes. That's a real preference as opposed to our uh, retirement account withdrawals. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing that just to clarify, because I think people hear that that 85% and get scared. It does not mean your benefit is taxed at 85%. Right, right. right. It means potentially 85% of your total benefit is considered income. Right, right. (laughs) That's that's a good one. Um, You recently released a podcast titled, How Can I Protect Myself from Inflation? Mm -hmm. Um, I think most people would think that they can't do very much about that outside of just having the most money possible. Um, What are some things retirees and, and those approaching retirement can do to insulate themselves for, from inflation? Yeah, I think there's kind of two, um, two sides to that coin. One is on the investment side of the equation. So for that, you know, I think it's, it's important to be invested, right? If you are in cash and inflation starts really picking up, you're really going backwards and, and more and more significantly as prices get higher every year. So I think that that's really important is you want to make sure you're invested. If you're not, you're probably not keeping up with inflation and things can get really, really tricky, especially if you've, you know, if you're earlier on in your retirement or gearing up for retirement. Um, If you start to consider like what, what you may want to do on that investment front, one of the keys is that a lot of times hard assets will do well. So think like real estate, think gold, think commodities, like those types of, you know, of, of broad categories generally those do well as prices increase. Um, and then again, you know, more equities as well, because, you know, as, as prices go up, generally equities will kind of follow that trend as well uh, for the short run. Anyway, there's some things to be cautious of, but, but generally speaking, one of the things to, to maybe be cautious of is bonds. And I think this is really important because um, I know that a lot of your audience is going to be close to retirement or in retirement. And I think when, when we get there, you know, we instantly turn to bonds as kind of our safe spot. Right? That's another kind of long held belief that you should switch into more bonds and le- and fewer stocks. But when we have 20 or 30 years more of retirement, how is that going to work? Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and um, to kind of tie in the inflation side of it too, when inflation rises, what happens is interest rates rise along with that, generally speaking. And the challenge with that is that when interest rates rise, bond prices actually fall. And so your safe part of your portfolio may not be so safe 
you know, during this period when you really need it to kind of provide some stability for you too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. And to your point, you know, you you have 30 years and we have inflation kicking in, (laughs) you know, how safe do you want to be? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, these long held beliefs just really aren't applicable so much anymore to all of us. So I'm curious, what age do you start working with, uh, with individuals for retirement planning? What does your client uh, list look like? Yeah, we've, we've kind of set up our firm in a way where we can help anybody who needs help. So we've got, um, we've got a team who can, you know, if it's a younger person, I generally don't work too much with younger folks, although I am younger. But we've set it up in a way that anybody who wants help, we can make sure to help them. Um, myself, honestly, generally speaking, I work a little bit more with folks who are closer to retirement or in retirement. Um, so we deal with, as you can probably tell, we deal with these types of questions all the time. I mean, this is, this is our, our daily kind of, kind of bread and butter here. Um, but mostly folks who are closer to, or in retirement, really starting to think about how do we create a distribution strategy? How does social security fit into that? How do we manage taxation? And, you know, again, maybe some people are even starting to think about, uh, how to leave a legacy. Right, right. Well, I find it commendable of that you you see that big picture because um, uh, you don't often hear that from a lot of financial professionals, that holistic approach with, I mean, what got you interested in the social security aspect of it? Because it's just Something I know a lot of financial software even just assumes that 85% of their social security is going to be taxed. I think I'm lucky. I think that I started this way and it, it has helped me significantly. You know, I know a lot of folks that have come under like kind of the pure investment advice world or the insurance world. And I think that both of those groups have a little bit of a harder time now because there's so much conversation about how advisors are compensated and what value they get for it. And if it's all product driven, I think, you know, I think they're having a hard time. Right. Luckily, honestly, from day one, this has kind of always been what I've done. So it's, I think it's kind of positioned me to, to be, I guess, a little ahead of the curve, honestly, and, and made these conversations just natural. Right. But I think right. it's, I think it's extremely important and it's good that more and more people are starting to do that now, I think. Oh, I totally agree. I'm 100% behind you on that. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I've touched on on the surface of your knowledge about Social Security and financial planning. Uh, what, am, what am I not asking? What do most people not ask that they should? Good question. Um, I think maybe maybe a, another point around Social Security, and let me know if I can if I should broaden this up more too. But another point around Social Security is not just the taxation, but also um, the idea that if you're working while receiving benefits, how that kind of all works together. Um, So I mentioned like the scenario earlier, somebody let's say retires at 62, but let's say they're still working part-time somewhere. They turn on their social security benefit, not even thinking about it, right? I'm retired, I need to draw my social security and they're earning 30,000 or so at a a, a part-time job. Here's the challenge is if you do that until you are full retirement age, Every dollar that you that you earn, I'm sorry, every two dollars you earn in Social Security benefits, one dollar will be withheld actually during that period. Right. So let me know if you happen to know this, Martha. Let me know. I I know this number grows with you know each year with inflation, but I believe it's like nineteen thousand or eighteen thousand some change right now. That is, 
That is for 2021 for that lower threshold. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So basically if you're earning more than that, that's where you'll start to see your, your social security benefits withheld. So I think that's something people miss a lot and it doesn't mean it's gone to be clear. You will get it paid back, but you're not going to get it. You know, the point I think of taking social security is to get your benefit and you might find you're only getting half in that period. And, and I don't know, you can tell me your comments on this, but with what we've been through the last year and a half and with the people that have lost jobs and have had to make that decision, um, they, there's also the rule about changing your mind if that happens. And if, if they had to take social security and now they are employed again, they do have that opportunity at 12 months, you know, withdraw the application and refile. Have, yeah. you, have you had any clients that have had to do that or? Luckily I have not, um, but I'm sure there are a lot of people in those shoes. And I think that's a good thing to mention because we're talking so much about some of the pitfalls of social security. Yeah. So if you find yourself in this, in this boat, uh, but started them recently, you have a really good point. The good news is that if, if you are hearing something that may make you want to change your mind, you have that option within 12 months too, of, of starting those benefits. So, yeah, yeah, that's really good. It's been a crazy time the last year and a half. I, I think a lot of people are struggling with a variety of different financial issues. Um, so if you had, you, you understand Social Security so well, if you had the power to decide how to extend the program, this is something that <laughs> I, I have a lot of opinions about for the indefinite future, um, you know, longer than four or five years, more like uh, 75 years, what changes would you make and why based on what, what you know? Yeah, good, good question. And I think I think where, where this is coming from, I'm sure everybody kind of knows the situation here that that it's the way things are going right now is very likely Social Security runs out. And so there's a lot of conversations about how how we make this program um, last. <laughs> so what I will say is I think generally my opinion, keyword opinion, is that mo- for the most part, folks who are closer to Social Security or maybe already taking benefits, I can't imagine a world where they would like change that instantly on you. So hopefully that gives a little peace of mind that if you are getting closer, you may be able to, again, this is all my opinion on things, but you may be able to rely pretty heavily on, on what benefits you've been, you know, you've been planning for. However, someone like myself or someone 10 years plus from, from social security may have a little different uh, perspective on this. If I had that power, (laughs) I think what, what I would do without you know, fully knowing the ins and outs of how far behind we are and what we need to be able to make up for it would probably be to extend the, the age to receive benefits for folks like myself. You know, we're, we're all living much, much longer than we were when Social Security had started. It was never meant to last somebody 30 years. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, that's the challenge we face now is, you know, somebody retires at 65 and they lived in 95. That was not the case, I think, back in the 30s when Social Security was, you know, was started. Right. So I think yeah. that's going to be where I start anyway. I completely agree with that. And and it because the last major changes you probably remember or know were in 1983. And that's when they raised it from 66 to 67. So those folks who were born in 1960, they were only 20 years old then. And so they were really 
going ahead. And that's to your point that folks approaching retirement right now really probably can count on receiving what they're getting, but um, we just don't know. Um, But all the more reason to educate everyone on what's at stake. Yeah, absolutely. Martha, if you had that power, what would you do? (laughs) Uh, I'd do a combination of things. That would be one, the full retirement age. Um, I, you know, the, I don't know, no one wants to hear about tax rate increases, but um, the 6.2%, that has remained constant for so long. And up until that was adopted, it was changing every couple of years. So another pretty um, minor, less painful impact would be to raise that just by fractions of a percent over time. Yeah. But I, I think there's so many rules and calculations that are made. There's a there's just a whole, whole suite of of options. So yeah, I'd be, I'd like to be involved in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, based on your experience and knowledge, what are the top two or three most important takeaways for financial professionals helping their clients with social security and retirement planning? This is for those uh, in your profession who may not be doing exactly what you're doing. Okay. I like uh, that's, I like this. Um, it's funny. So we just actually hired a, an advisor just about a month ago. So, you know, this is actually very, very relevant for me right now. Um, I think just like the client side of it is making sure that you're looking at the whole picture. You know, um, we've been working a lot with our advisors about making sure that, you know, we look at Social Security as an analysis, but then say, OK, now how does that fit in with everything else and really make sure that we're being being thorough? You know, just like what brings them value back, I want to make sure, you know, advisors are doing the same thing to try and drive as much of that back as they can to their clients. So I think that's that's the biggest thing is is just really taking the time. Don't just, you know, don't just kind of hop into some something and find the the biggest benefit given their time horizon. Right. Look at look at the whole picture and, and really make sure that, you know, everything's working together. Yeah, I I like the term optimize that decision because it's not necessarily maximizing uh, the lifetime amount. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really impressive to see because it's so huge for a lot of people, but um, there's so much else involved in that decision. Yeah. And I think Martha, if I can add one thing to that, I think, you know, a lot of, um, I hope this comes out the right way, but a lot of the folks that we work with, a lot of folks that, you know, many advisors work with, Social Security is not their biggest asset, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we look at Social Security in a vacuum without looking at how it impacts the rest of it, it's kind of like, you know, stepping over a a dollar to pick up a penny, right? It's like, if this is going to have an impact on the bigger nest egg, that's really what drives the retirement planning. We're doing a huge disservice not to look at this over here and how these things play together. Yes. That's exactly right. And with the whole taxation issue, and there's just so much, it's, it's, it's not possible without the software that can, can analyze all these things together. Mm -hmm. Well, um, we're winding down here. I think we've been talking for a while. It's been such a pleasure. I just want to give you a chance if there's people who want to follow you or find you, do you, does your company work remotely? Do you, are you taking new clients? Where can people contact you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we are taking new clients um, in this world of, 
you know, COVID has, uh, in all honesty, forced our hands to go a little more digital. So yeah, we, we you know, work remotely with a lot of folks right now. Um, but yeah, if you want to reach out to us, you can email me directly, uh, Brandon at mainsalefg.com. Um, you can follow us on social. We're kind of on all the platforms. We try and I think because of my background about this educational knowledge, or sorry, this uh, financial knowledge, um, I try and share a lot. So we're, you know, we do a lot on YouTube. Uh, LinkedIn's probably the place that we post the most. So check, you know, find me on on LinkedIn and usually post something at least once a day with some education. So, um, you know, wherever you get your information, I think we are. So. And you're in Washington, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Right here in, in Bellevue, Washington. Great. Right, right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, um, Brandon. Is there anything more you want to add? I think that hit a lot of topics. So I really appreciate your time and your uh, your work on putting together some great questions there. I think this should be really helpful. Good. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.